Welcome to Scientia's Soundwaves. My name is Maria Vitoria, and I'll be your host for today's episode. Today we have Mr. Mateus Pessoa, our special guest from McGill University. He graduated with a physics major from UFABC in Sao Paulo and concluded his master's graduate thesis for experimental cosmology in McGill University. Now, he's currently a PhD candidate for nanobiophysics. Over the years, he has accomplished various accolades, such as writing multiple scientific papers, funding the first ever Brazilian team to attend, and later on becoming a member of the executive committee of the International Physicists Tournament, and hosting a Brazilian physics podcast called Física Popular Brasileira. Thank you so much for coming on board, Mr. Pessoa. First of all, we'd like to thank you for agreeing to participate in our podcast and inspire other young bright minds to pursue a career in academia. Tell us how, in the first place, did you end up falling for the fantastic field of physics? All right. Hello, my name is Dora. Hello, all of you who are listening to the podcast. I'm happy to be here and to contribute a little bit with you guys. And well, it was it was interesting because I've I think I've been passionate about physics all my life, and I remember clearly the, the first time I ever thought about actually studying physics. It was when in 2008, I was uh, just browsing through some news that were on the internet, and I saw this one news, uh, this one like uh, headline that said that CERN would uh, realize the first ever run of the Large Hadron Collider, and then... And then I was like, oh, this is really interesting. I, and I went and clicked on it and I read the article and it said that uh, physicists are trying to discover what happened in the early universe and are creating this machine that might create a big black hole that will end up, that, that will end the world as we know it and devour the earth and something like that. And it was really interesting because I, when I read that, I was, I was, uh, surprised by the fact that how come there's people who are allowed to do this that you know that's it's their job to build a machine that will you know discover what happened in the early universe and stuff like that so i was really uh that really caught my attention when i when i saw that i was like wow why 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 is not everyone just so passionate about this because you know it gives you so much power when you know physics when you when you can do stuff like that so why why aren't many people interested in that thing and they want to do stuff like different stuff. So, so that's when I realized I had, first, I had my first contact with physics when I saw that. And then after I, I had I read this headline, I went on and looked for uh, Stephen Hawking's book, A Brief History in Time and uh, The Universe in a Nutshell. And when I was reading those books, I was like, oh, my God, how come my mom is not interested in, in brains and in M theory and in other dimensions? How come you know, how come she's not interested in that? Like, why is not everyone so passionate about it? And then I, I was, uh, that's how I first got my contact with physics. And then uh, after that, I just found this other competition, the International Young Physicist Tournament, where people would, instead of just writing their responses to a question or something like that, they would actually perform debates about physics and trying to prove their points right. Uh, to an audience and to the opponents and to the jury members. And then I was really passionate about those things because uh, 
it was a much more tangible even than those other physics concepts than you know early universe and stuff like that it was much more tangible because we were solving problems that were related to our uh day-to-day life so in the iypt i was i was really uh that's when it all started and then that moved on uh further on when i decided to to study physics and ufabc and then when i also wanted to actually form the uh, the team to participate in the IPT, which is like the university version for the IYPT. So and that's how it all started. You know? So it, it was basically a headline and then I got interested about it. Then my mom also always supported me and participated in as much, uh, as many Olympiads as I could, uh, which were not a lot, but she always supported me. And then that's how it all started because I was really passionate. I really wanted to, you know, to know physics because I, 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 you know, I remember the first time I was in a in a IYPT and I saw people just solving integrals and talking about uh, physical phenomena. And I was like, how come this person can know what an integral is? You know, and I do not know that. And she's like, this person is like the same age as me. How come I do not know calculus at this point? That's why that's why I was always pushed forward, you know, because I would see that other people know, knew so much more than I did. So I that already uh made me study more and try to be more interested and you know even though i did not have the tools to understand stuff i would go after papers and read them and try to understand them and you know stuff like that so it was uh well that's how people created the monster you know so <laughs> my mom just created the monster that was yeah, <laughs> that was it but yeah and that i'm, I'm here until today yeah no that's awesome. That's awesome to hear. Um, it's great that you had your family support in your choice. And it's clear uh, as you're talking that you're very passionate about this topic um, and you want to make it accessible, like not only to academia, but to regular citizens, people that don't know a lot about the topic. So talking about this topic that not many people know about, um, experimental cosmology is not something that you come across on a regular basis, which happens yeah. to be your field of study uh, in the master's. So fill us in briefly in your area of interest within this niche field. What is, in your own terms, experimental cosmology? So experimental cosmology is basically trying to bring to reality thoughts that are really crazy, as, as, as you can even think about. Like, they're so complex and so, like, far from our, you know, own reality, our, far from our daily, daily basis. So it's basically... You get some evidences that the world, that the, oh, sorry, that the universe is expanding, okay? Uh, and maybe some of you may, might have heard about that when Hubble, the guy who gave the name to the telescope and everything, like, he noticed that, you know, the galaxies were spreading apart and apart and more and more. And then uh, we got this idea that the universe was expanding. And then scientists thought, well, if it's expanding, what happened before? It must have contracted. So basically, if you go back it's, it's more like a contraction of everything so you might think that the universe if it's expanding right now there was some point in its age uh where it was just so condensed uh before everything expanded at all so uh so you have these crazy ideas and then when you think about stuff that we know nowadays such as uh hydrogen atoms uh you know uh that these hydrogen atoms they're pretty simple they're composed from like a, just an electron and a proton, etc. So it's it's basically uh, 
you you get all these these elements, all these sorts of uh, small knowledges that you that you that you have, and then you try to reconstruct the structure and the history of the universe based on those things. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I'm gonna stray away a little bit from the script here and ask you a follow-up question. Uh, so those antennas, they, they capture the frequencies, right, of, of hydrogen, but how, how do you make sure that the frequencies on Earth do not interfere with your data that you're collecting? But I, I would like to like, just briefly say something about this last response. It was not, it was not uh, wavelength, it's frequency. So what I was gonna say is, uh, the hydrogen has this specific property where it emits a radiation of a given frequency that at the time of emission is up 1420 megahertz. But as the universe expanded, this, this uh, wave also expanded and it reaches today as to frequencies that might range from uh, 40 to 120 megahertz. So it's really less than, than it was uh, back when the universe uh, was a baby. So we basically just build antennas that can detect these signals of uh, maybe 40 to 120 megahertz because we want to study the epoch where the universe, uh, where the first stars of the universe started emitting light. And that's basically it because uh, we have like what we call a spectrum. It's basically like a, a distribution of this uh, hydrogen line. Uh, not, not a distribution, but it's basically uh, the, if, if you take the average across the sky of this signal, you have a shape and different astrophysical sources, such as black holes or the presence or not of, uh, I don't know, FRBs or things like that. FRBs, no, I'm not going to say FRBs, I'm sorry. So let me re-say stuff. Uh, so you have other astrophysical sources, such as uh, black holes and everything. Those things can impact the, the shape of this signal. So that's what we're trying to to see if it's true or not, because we want to reconstruct this story of the universe. So that's that's basically the goal, because if we know that, we know how the universe was before, then we can compare it to now and maybe predict the future of the universe as well. Basically, that's that's what's explained to cosmology. Thank you. Thank you for your answer. Yeah, you must have really cutting edge technology and you must spend a lot of uh, money on research to make that possible. Um, so going to the next question, so you're currently a PhD candidate for nanobiophysics. Um, that's also not a, a topic that I hear a lot about. So if you were to put it in simple terms, what is nanobiophysics and what are you working with right now? Exactly. So this is why we need to go to really far away places. So for instance, to make a nice detection of those things, we have to go for really uh, remote places on Earth, such as the Atacama Desert in Chile, uh, or like the McGill Arctic Research Station, which is like in the North Pole, uh, where I was going to go with uh, with the research group to to make this experiment work. So, but before even making those things, we have to make what's called the RFI survey, which is a radio frequency uh, interference survey, because we need to characterize. Uh, the environment as well. So we need to know what kind of radio frequencies are uh, there and uh, characterize each each of these frequencies so that then when we can when we actually make the measurements with our antenna, we can subtract them all from our signal. So uh, that's how it works and that's how it's possible. So for instance, my professor Cynthia, she uh, has this project 
on Marion Island. And if you go, if you Google uh, Marion Island on Google, you'll see that it's like a Prince Edward's Islands. It's like 2,000 kilometers away from everything else uh, from South Africa. It's like in the middle, in between South Africa and between Antarctica. And there's, uh, it's really a remote place that can only be assessed, accessed uh, one time per year in April. And that's it by boat, you know? So that's, that's really cool. Uh, so those are the sort of, sort of uh, remote places you have to go to. Yeah. Oh my God. It's great that you're challenging yourself in the air, in an area that you don't have like so much exp expertise on and that you haven't worked previously a lot on. Um, and I'm sure there's a lot of, like there's an inter interdisciplinary character to the studies you're doing and that's nanotechnology is the future. So that's awesome. Uh, moving on to the next question. Um, how did you go from this like pure core interest to actually choosing to begin your life in academia? Uh, you talked a little bit about your, your, um, your time in, in high school, but what, what were your passions and hobbies back then and in college as well uh, that led you to your current position, if you could develop it a little bit? Okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to describe this briefly because actually uh, I haven't studied this topic a lot. So in this last semester, I've split in my time between the two uh, PhDs, between the experimental cosmology one and this nanobiophysics one, which I ended up choosing. And basically, uh, in, in this project that I'm making uh, right now that I'm working on, I work with uh, trapping of DNA molecules. So basically, we want to know more about the interaction energies of uh, DNAs between even different kinds of DNAs uh, and also nano, other, other nanomolecules and, and things like that. And this is really interesting because it can be applied in lots of fields in the industry, especially in uh, nowadays world where we see that uh, these, for instance, genomic characterizations and uh, sequencing, uh, those things are really important nowadays as we, we're seeing from the, from the pandemic and everything. So it's, uh, it's a field that has many sorts of applications as well. But basically what I've been working on is, uh, as I said, with nanochips. So it basically it's a, it's a chip with uh, tubes, you can think of uh, small tubes inside where we place the DNAs and then we apply some pressure to the DNA uh, uh, flushes in inside this chip. And then we have like uh, nanopores. Uh, so it's real nano cavities, as you would say. So really small cavities uh, of the size of, I don't know, 200 nanometers. So it's really small things. Uh, and then we trap the DNAs there because when, when they go, when they pass through these nano holes, there's a membrane on top of everything. Then we apply some pressure and then we can mechanically uh, put them inside a cavity. So for instance, so those, those things, those, this kind of technology can uh, be used for many things. Uh, and that's what I've been working on recently. And, uh, and it's really interesting because the entire description of the setup and everything involves a lot of physics uh, and the further application of these things is also, uh, it's also a reality. You know, as, I, as I've been seeing from the last uh, couple of months as well, because there's some companies that are interested in these, these kinds of things. So overall, I think it's really interesting. And, uh, and I'm, I'm happy to be working with this because I also think it's a field that allows much more interaction with other fields as well, such as, I don't know, chemistry or even biology or like physics in general, but other types of physics because... My project itself is, you could say it's nanofluidics because it involves this sort of 
fluids going through the tubes and everything. So uh, it involves lots of different things and uh, that's why I'm liking it so much, yeah. Well, it's interesting because when I think about my hobbies, well, I, I always love to read uh, a lot. So when I was young, I would read a lot. Like uh, Nowadays, I cannot read as much, which is interesting. And I, and I, and I envy the time I, I had to, to read when I was younger. Uh, so I would read lots of things. I would love like to play video games, that sort of thing. I would also uh, love to start playing instruments. Uh, so, so I learned as I learned to play the guitar, watching YouTube videos and everything. So uh, that's another passion of mine, like music and, and those kinds of things. Uh, and, it's, and it's interesting because I've always used the, these sorts of passions to, to actually like de-stress from the physics because, you know, of course, I like doing physics and everything, but there's a point when you just like can't handle it anymore. And you say, oh my God, I have to do something else. I have to be happy, you know, somehow. Uh, like some, uh, you know, some other way, not just doing physics, you know? <laughs> so that's uh, that's when all those things, all those things come in. Uh, yeah, but when I was younger, I, I was just like so obsessed by learning physics because I thought that would give me like, uh, not power, but it, it, would, it would make me like whatever I wanted to be. You know, that's, that's how I could say, because I saw that, you know, people who like had success or everything that they, they studied a lot. And I wanted to be one of those people, you know, and I would see that people would go, for instance, to study abroad. Uh, and then I was like, oh my God, I have to, I have to do something, you know, I have to also like do something different. I have to participate in those extracurricular activities because I want to, do something, you know, I want to, that's how I reach these things. And then that was basically it. So uh, of course I loved physics. I, I got into IYPT and then I helped on the organization of the IYPT as well afterwards, because I wanted to, to bring this to other people. And then I formed the IPT team when I was already in, uh, in the university. Uh, but that was just because like I felt like I had to do something different from what other people were were doing and uh and I really and I felt like I could make a difference in those places and I felt like I could achieve something uh and I've never stopped believing that so that's how that's how everything went on and went forward because I I never gave up like no matter what would happen to me so so yeah, so I basically like yeah, gave everything away because I just wanted to study and wanted to study abroad someday. I wanted to make a difference somehow. And I'm happy that uh, those, those sort of the, those dreams uh, are actually like coming true uh, as the years goes on. And, and it's interesting to, to see that. Yeah. You are living the dream, right? That's awesome. Um, and also, it's great to see that in some ways you are a visionary in your, your field and about the, the reading. Uh, it's always a good time to reignite your dormant passions for reading. So I really encourage you to do that. Um, moving on, um, we often have like misconceptions about uh, how broad the, the physics realm and how physicists are inserted uh, in the job market. Um, so I'm going to restart the question. Uh, we often have misconceptions about how broad the physics realm is and how physicists are inserted in the job market. 
So what are the most like unconventional fields of work that physicists took um, according to what you've encountered, encountered so far? Uh, well, I could say that the most unconventional places you've ever found a physicist working on, uh, I, I could say that it's the bank, you know, because physicists are not trained to to work with money or, or anything like that. So I would say it's pretty much, uh, so I would say it's pretty much like unconventional, you know, so you might have also some physicists that are working on Uber, for example, or something like that. Uh, no, just kidding. Uh, but it, it's pretty unconventional places. and. Uh, well, it's it's crazy. I I don't think of many unconventional places other than like just these sorts of things. Just uh, working on banks. Uh, there's also like data science. People go a lot to to do data science things, which is really interesting. I think it's kind of related to physics. Uh, but I want what I want to say is that if you if you're listening to this right now and you're thinking about studying physics, uh, I would say that you can. When you when you do physics, you can do everything you you want in your life because uh, physics is a course that will teach you uh, hard lessons. So it, it will teach you like <laughs> to struggle to to understand physics. But in the meantime, if you if you actually are interested about everything, if you like start a research or something, you end up having uh, programming skills. Uh, and you will learn like machine learning or other sorts of things, or even like to do in my case, with uh, different experiments or different experimental setups. So you will learn a lot of things. Uh, there might be, uh, <clears throat> sorry, that might be uh, applicable, applicable to, to any other places you might end up working on, if not academia itself, you know? Because, and, and this is a discussion I have with friends uh, recently, because if there's a person who's like, I don't know, a professor at a university, you imagine that. Because this person has to first have really good writing skills because the scientist has to write papers. Okay, so it also has this person also has to think a lot. So it has to have, you know, have to be creative to create new stuff, to create new science. So creativity is there. Writing is there. You also have to communicate your ideas to the students in a classroom. So you have to have good communication skills. Uh, you also have to like learn a lot of programming because you have to do your research. So it's basically like you, you have all tools you'll ever need. So that's that's what I was thinking, like with my with a couple of friends of mine, how crazy it is to choose to be a scientist or anything, because you have to know everything. You know, you have to be good at everything. Of course, like not all professors are good at giving classes or anything, uh, which is OK when you think about it. It's OK. And it's pretty horrible when you're a student that wants to learn but the professor just sucks but uh well the general goal is for you to be good at all those things so it's pretty crazy to think about things that way so if you want to pursue this path uh, it's a really interesting path and you'll never stop learning so this is what actually makes me even more passionate about it because i'm always learning new stuff and i never like stuck and just comfortable in where i'm where i am so that's that's why i'm why i think it's really interesting because physics uh, never stops. You always learn something new, no matter what. It's good that you know about all the skills that encompass being a good teacher, because I know you yourself want to be a professor uh, in the future. So that's great. Um, and yeah, of course, I think what 
comes in hand right now uh, is comes in handy is the soft skills as well. You need to know how to communicate with people. You need to know how to pass on the knowledge you have. If, if you just keep it to yourself, that's not it. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for joining us today, Mr. Pessoa. Uh, it was a pleasure having you on our podcast. And if you would like to ask us a question about today's episode, or you would like to offer your expertise and join us as a guest speaker, please email us at the link in the description box. Thank you for supporting our new podcast, and we hope you have enjoyed listening to today's session. Stay safe and see you soon.